0: Well, it's my privilege to bring a short word of encouragement to us tonight from God's Word. My title here is Knowledge and the Most Important Thing to Know. So according to philosophynow.org, the most important thing to know is knowing how to know. (laughs) I'll pause there for some existential reflection. (laughs) For those of you like me who want like more practical advice, you need life lifehack.com, lifehack.com. This is the top fifty-four things that you need to know. Like you know you need to know how to start a fire, how to grow your own vegetables, how to perform CPR, there you go, know, how to manage your time, how to meet new people, and the like. And if you don't want philosophical, you don't want practical, you just want humorous but true, you have Bill Murray, the actor, he says, knowledge is like underwear. It's useful to have it, but not necessary to show off. <laughs>
1: I figured knowledge, talking about
0: knowledge at a college reunion is a, is a apt and fitting uh, subject. right? We come to college to learn, to acquire knowledge. Princeton, I looked this up, Princeton back in its original days it had 474 volumes in its first library. Its first library was actually housed in Nassau Hall. Today, it houses over 11 million volumes in multiple libraries on campus. I mean, that is a, 11 million volumes. That is a lot of knowledge that we just don't know and we will never know, All right? You want to try to get to know it, that's 7,534 books a day over the span of four years, including breaks and summer vacation, if you're an one. You can't do that. Can Jamie Rankin do it? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can't do it. <laughs> so we, we believe it's important to know things. At History and literature keep us aware of the past, biology, economics, public policy. It gives us tools to do good in the world, right? Engineering, math, physics, it helps us build and design things that, that can improve the life and the quality of life for people. We all get this. But, but these are academic subjects. They have their place, they're important, but academic subjects can't know you back right we get to know the subjects but that pathway is not reciprocated organic chemistry doesn't know you back in the same (laughs) sense that a friend knows you back which is why some of the older people here and I think all of us get this you know we we don't remember as much about what we learned in class and the knowledge there but we do remember we have knowledge of we have memory of the things that we learn through relationships and friendships. So we all have this sense that knowledge is more than just a cognitive exercise. It's also relational. It's communal. It's personal. It's emotional. I mean, Christy and Josh just testified to that. Acquiring knowledge in its deepest sense is a total body, total life experience. And so, this you heard Anna report, this past spring semester, we did a series on the Minor Prophets during our Friday nights, um, and I thought it would be good to end the academic year, here too, with one verse out of Habakkuk. That's Habakkuk 2, verse 14, and this is where God declares, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is a great declaration, a great promise of God. He's going to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. And in the context of Habakkuk, you know, it's 600 BC, and the people of Judah, they're about to be overwhelmed by the Babylonians, and they're about to go into exile uh, under God's hand and God promises, even in that dire situation, in that darkness, God promises, I'm going to fill the earth with the knowledge of my glory. I'm going to do it. And this verse reveals something deep and profound about the heart of God. Right? He wants to be known. And he will go to great lengths to reveal himself and to reveal his glory to us and he will, he says, he will fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. So, shameless illustration, it's reunions weekend, so tomorrow this little town in central New Jersey will be filled with people wearing orange and black outfits that they will only wear once a year and that they will only wear in this town. And they will proudly display what? The glory, the colors, orange and black, the glory of Princeton University. And God promises, I'm zealous to spread the knowledge of my glory, not just in one little town, but throughout the entire planet. So briefly, I want to highlight three things that this verse points us to. It points us to fulfillment, points us to experience, and also to grace. So first, fulfillment. God makes this declaration, and now how is he going to fulfill this? So Hebrews 1.3, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God fills the earth with the knowledge of his glory, First and foremost, by coming into the world himself. Jesus' hands, Jesus' feet, his mouth, his, his actions, his heart, exactly represent, exactly image the glory of God. It displays the knowledge of God to the world. John 1.14, the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace. And that's amazing in and of itself, but Jesus extends this even further. He extends it to us. Listen to what he says. It's astounding. God continues to fill the earth with his glory today through you and through me. This is Jesus in John 17. I have, this is Jesus speaking or praying to the Father just before his crucifixion. I have given them, my disciples, my followers, the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So think about those words of Jesus God now expresses his glory through us, Jesus' followers, his church. We are his vehicles, his agents of glory on earth to others. So when you go to the tents this weekend, or when you go back to your communities, back to your jobs, think of yourselves as little lanterns of God's glory. You know, placed there in these little corners of the world to fulfill Habakkuk 2.14, covering the earth in your own little way with the knowledge of God's glory glory. And so may we courageously speak up and may we do good in ways that reflect the glory back to God. So that's the fulfillment. It points us to fulfillment. Second, it points us to experience. If God desires to fill the earth with His glory, with the knowledge of His glory, then that presumes that we can genuinely know and experience God. If this weren't the case, PCF would have a major issue here because the very first line of PCF's Constitution written many decades ago states, the purpose of this fellowship shall be to promote among its members a deepening knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Philippians 3, and to enable them through human lives to make him known on the university campus, Acts 1. If we can't know God, Genuinely know God or make him known to others then we are absolutely in the wrong place here tonight But we can know God It's central to our purpose. It's central to our being It's what we've been made to do Jeremiah 9 the Lord says let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I the dec- light declares the Lord. I know there's a number of you grad students here tonight, like knowing God is not like passing your generals. Right, that there's this body of knowledge out there and you have to attain, rise to some sort of level of proficiency in order to pass. Knowing God is not a one-time test. It's a dynamic process of learning how to live in light of God's faithful presence and in his, in light of his trustworthy promises. And that's what you just heard Josh and Christy share. And last week, if you were at virtual reunions, you heard Clint and Johanna share the same thing. It's learning how to live in light of his faithful presence and his faithful promises. God's promises are certain. Our struggle is believing that all the time. And God's presence is certain, and our struggle is believing that he's with us all the time. And this is why we have testimonies. We testify that God has been with us And that God is faithful to his promises. And we testify that bit by bit, he's changing and transforming us by his grace and by his spirit. And then when we do that, when we testify in those ways, we are filling the earth with the knowledge of his glory, telling and showing others that they too can experience this grace of God, his presence and his promises. And so third, and this leads us to the final pointer. Which just a pointer to grace. Yes, we can know God, but only because God knew us first. Listen to Jesus in John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Or as Paul puts it very bluntly in Galatians 4, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? The scriptures in the gospel are clear. We aren't going to come to know God and his glory unless he knows us first. And he makes the first move. Romans 3.10. There is no one righteous, no not one. There is no one who understands, no one who knows, no one who seeks God. And if I could take 1 John 4.19 and just... Modify ever so slightly. You don't want to modify scripture, but I think this is one time where you can do it. Okay? John 14, one, uh, 1 John 4 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. You can make it say, We know him because he first knew us. God knows that we are needy and sinful. God knows that we are desperate for hope in this fallen and broken world. God knows that we cannot overcome death. God knows that we need his grace to be transformed into new creations. God knows these things about us first, and so he makes the first move. He sent his son to die and to rise again for us. He sent his spirit to be in us and with us, to transform us. He knew us first. He loved us first before we knew him or loved him. 2 Timothy 1, God saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God knew us first before we knew him. So when we hear Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It clearly points to God's grace. Coming to know God, it's not like a puzzle that we solve or an exam that we ace, if we even ever ace any exams. We cannot brag and say, wow, look at how brilliant I am that I figured all of this out. Coming to know God is an act of pure grace because he is the one who knew us first and he is the one who made us first. So come back to my title, Knowledge and the Most Important Thing to Know. I would, I would modify it or tweak it. And I would, I would rework it in let it go back 2.14 to say something like, Knowledge and the Most Important Thing is to be known by God. Because when you are known by God, you, you understand that, you realize that, you've embraced it, you've experienced it, it means now, through faith in Jesus Christ, you belong. You're accepted. You have a family. You have a community. You have hope. You have new life. And you have a new purpose. So may we be people who are filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And may we spread that knowledge to others. And may we experience and grow in that knowledge each day by God's grace and through his spirit. May these be the kind of people that we are.